Good morning, everyone, and we welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with our subject of unreality today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And thank you all so much for joining us. We'll start with our prayer. I'm reading from page 232 of Divinity Course in General Collectania and 200 of Miscellany. The law of God includes a law that annuls every false claim, and we know it and must use it. Mental activity must be tranquil, not lazy. It must express force, be exact, and it must know the reality of man's oneness with God and the utter unreality of evil in all its forms of belief. Heaven be praised for the science of the time. Let the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing. Our trust is in the almighty God who ruleth in heaven and upon earth. And none can stay his hand or say, what doest thou? Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful. Thank you. And our watching point. Watch 483. Watch that you really believe that error cannot continue to exist or to claim to that it exists under the Christian science rule and declaration that God never made it. Hence, that it does not exist and is not real. In hypnotism, the false sense seems to exist because of a false state of mind in the victim. When he regains his normal state, all that seemed real is seen to be unreal. Hence, the regaining of his normal state is the rule for destroying all the illusions of the hypnotist. The victim might believe that his task was to silence all the suggestions that are sent. What a relief when he learns that he need not do this. He need only to throw off the spell cast upon him. End quote. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, comments on that. Oh, it was a great watch. I, I, good reminder, because sometimes you get so caught up in trying to put all these little fires out when really you need to handle that you believe that evil is real or are hypnotized into believing. Thank you. That, that's it. The very important watching point. It's illusion. It's mesmerism. And, you know, we get mocked for saying that, but... Almost, I would say most of us have proved it to be true in our own experience, so we know it's true. Anyone else? I think um, when Kimball talks about quenching the fiery dot, you might think, you know, you have to you know, quench that one, quench that one, quench that one. But I think the whole thing of not being hypnotized or mesmerized by the lies that there is anything apart from God. That's with the understanding that there is nothing else apart from God. That kind of quenches it all at once. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Because, you know, it's it's 24-7, isn't it? I mean, the hypnotist is at work 24-7. If you, you know, you read reports of the news you, or if you watch things on television, you're getting bombarded by hypnosis, by illusions, getting you to try to, to get you to believe that there is such a thing as evil, whether it's disease or whether it's, you know, a, a evil dictator or or something and the only way to quench it is with the truth that only God and what God creates is real. 
and then work at it until there's no doubt in your mind. What it, and what is our golden text for today, Jeremy? <laughs> Genesis. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Yeah. <clears throat> that's what we... <laughs> that's reality. Yeah, that's reality. That is what's reality. This week we're going to talk about what the unreality is, but that is the reality. So if it if it doesn't measure up to that, then there's a hypnotist, hypnosis going on. And that's why when you get into it or study it or watch it more and more on the news, you get more and more mesmerized. Yeah, I think when you focus just on symptoms too, it, it can it can be very mesmeric because it's like when I was working the other night, I started I realized I was kind of focusing in on the minutia, and then I started thinking, well, I'm supposed to be looking out from the standpoint of God, and that kind of helped me break that feeling like I'm trying to do something, like I'm trying to whack a mole with the symptoms. Yes. Yep. Jeremy? <laughs> Sorry, whack-a-mole. Um, <laughs> whack <-a> <laughs> I was just thinking a few years ago, uh, I, my practitioner recognized that I was like catalog, cataloging all the errors and, you know, trying to keep track of them and go after them. And she says, no, 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 there's just one claim. So I just try to always remember that. <laughs> so, just one claim. Yeah, I mean, you often hear it, and I've been guilty of this too, is, oh, wow, we have so much to work on. <laughs> you know, all my, <laughs> yeah, like someone was saying, Linda, fires here, fires there, fires everywhere. And we certainly had them parading in front of us all week long. Um, <clears throat> and it's not that we don't have a deep compassion for what's going on and for those involved, but we must also not get dragged into believing it. Um, Nancy reminded me of a very good article by Paul Stark Seeley called Victims and Villains. Oh, yeah. Because, right, isn't isn't that what everything is, seems to be about? There's victims and there's villains. Sometimes people argue over who's the villain these days, which is kind of interesting, but, but yeah. Um, so, Nancy, you want to tell me a little bit about what was in the article? Uh, sure, I don't have it with me, but basically what it was saying is, uh, just like you said, there, there is only one claim, there's only one power. So if, if God is the source of all good, um, these are not of God, so there's three things we have to ask ourselves. Is there God in it? Is there truth in it? Is there substances, substance in it? And if those three are lacking, it's not the truth. And uh, it's, it has many other points. I'm sorry I don't have the article in front of me. Uh, but it's given me a lot of comfort in denying what uh, is trying to be put in front of me. Yeah, I do have it. And one thing he says is, to God, there is no mortal mind, no villain, no wrong-minded mortal, no puppet of evil. No type of mortal called a victim, capable of being deceived and devastated by evil. Infinite intelligence knows no such thing. No such concept exists. No such roles are known. Uh, let, him, let him ask himself if God ever surrendered, surrendered his omnipresence to another mind. And I think that... Our sure defense is never to consent to believe we are in an evil thinker's dream. Okay, Florence. No, I think what helps me or has helped me is understanding what God's law is. I am all. So if you expand that, if you really ponder that and expand that, it covers all of it. Because he is all, there can't be anything else. But it has to be with understanding, not just saying it, you know. 
Exactly, yes. Could right, I say it's something? Like... Go ahead, Sari. What comes to me is uh, what Florence said was very, uh, very important because what comes to me is that when we begin to make, for some reason, a reality of it and say, oh, somebody said I've been used, then immediately we're fighting this double uh, sword instead of saying, no one is used because we work with God. We come from God. We are God's ideas. And as God's reflection, we must hold to this and not get into these temptations to get into some other thoughts which take us down a deep, deep place that nobody needs to go to. So if I'm working on a drawing, I know that it resolves itself, it comes into being, it will work out. This is what I have to have in understanding the reality, that we are one with God. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that Mrs. Eddy has... Uh, a lesson on reality and then a lesson on unreality, <laughs> right? But uh, there's a reason for that order because uh, unless you know what's real, unless you really understand the science and understand what is real, you won't be able to tell what's unreal. I mean, the only way you can f see the counterfeit is if you know what the real thing looks like feels like thank you and remember the dominion is always within and one thing we've been taught here we are never a victim you cannot say you are a victim if you say you're a victim what are you doing you're denying God. Yes all you're, of those things you're, you're violating the first commandment <laughs> yep yes. And that can be very, very hard for someone to say they're not a victim. They like saying they're a victim. It's not their fault. All these mean people did this to me. They don't want to relinquish that. They want to blame others for their problems. Now, once you do that, you've lost your dominion. The dominion is within. So you are saying there's some outside power other than God that can affect you and make you a victim. And there you've got it. Air has got you. Ha, 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 ha. And so you have to say, ha, 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 back <laughs> and know that you cannot be a victim ever. Why? Because God is all. And if you appear to be a victim, this is how you take control and get it back into your domain, the kingdom of heaven being within, by knowing you cannot be that because God made all and he made it good and you refuse to acknowledge or see any other power. You would be surprised what that will do. It will change everything. And all you have to do is look at, at the Bible and the prophets and what they, what happened to them. Joseph is one particular one, all of them really. But certainly you can say Christ Jesus. I mean, we don't say he was a victim. I mean, we could say he was a victim. But, but he overcame that, right? Mm -hmm. He was not. Walk through crowds. Walk through crowds. Yes. Walked on the water. Um, Mrs. Eddy. People were always trying to get her <laughs> sewer law cases. But she over Even on the cross, Jesus wasn't a victim. And well, yet, that's at face value, one would have said he was. You know, he's looking at you. You're up here on the cross. What do you that's, mean you're not a victim? That's the point. It would seem as if he's a victim. Yes, very much so. But he proved he wasn't. It does, does seem the important part is not identifying yourself as the victim. It, it has to start with, your, with yourself. Okay. So therefore, if you are not a victim, then you've got to unsee the villains. Right. And that's very, very important. Uh Another thing we were taught here, even in with the 91st Psalm, it's all about protection, right? Protection. But then you ask yourself, protection from what? From my own false beliefs. Thank you. Because the scientific statement says all, all is infinite mind and it's infinite manifestation. For God is all in all. 
This is very, very key to, to see this. Otherwise, you get into this big thing on protecting myself from villains. It's very easy to have it happen. And we get bombarded with it all the time. As I said, all this week, it was bombarding us. Um, all these villains and these poor victims. But no. And this is why. And, and uh, Imogen, in her testimony about no malpractice, she brings that out. The only way malpractice, the villain, can find you is if you are malpracticing and believing it. If you are believing in hate, if you are believing in jealousy, if you are believing that there are evil people out there that are getting other people, then, whoa, well, then it finds a... Then you're going to find them. You'll find them. <laughs> because you're creating them in your own consciousness. This is why Mrs. Eddy wrote the article, Love Your Enemies. I'm just turning to that. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> one, one mind here. We didn't rehearse this. <laughs> no, we did not. Can you see an enemy except you first formulate this enemy and then look upon the object of your own conception? What is it that harms you? Can height or depth or any other creature separate you from love that is omnipresent good, that blesses infin infinitely one and all? Love thine enemies as identical is identical with thou hast no enemies. Wherein is this conclusion relative to those who have hated thee without a cause? Simply in that those unfortunate individuals are virtually thy best friends. Primarily and ultimately, they are doing thee good, far beyond the present sense which thou canst entertain of good. Now, you know, that whole article, if you all should have it memorized. <laughs> it's so wonderful. And, and so how does the enemy bless you? For making you work harder. And to, it's, it's, we've been having that with our neighbors. I think I've told you a little bit about it, Mary. And it's, it's something that it was frustrating because it, you know, it, it's like you want this perfect, you know, harmonious outcome, but it's forced both of us to work harder to see them correctly and to not let, not let animal magnetism come into our thought and, and, and just, you know, take away our peace. And I was reading an atonement in Eucharist, you know, talks about how, you know, we're, you know, we are tested and we're, we're forced to prove it. And that's, I realize that's what's happening with the situation of our neighbors. It's not just this quick healing where we get over it and what a microcosm of what's going on in the world. Hey, yes, indeed. Okay, Craig. Hello. And God said he made us to bless and multiply. And when we come force an enemy, clearly there's something needed there and they need love more than hate, definitely. And to turn our thought in love, like, and to lift them up also, I think it all come to a, a better outcome than going at them for fists. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Who else was going to speak? Hi, this is Jane Green. What was that? Was that Tony? Yeah, there's someone else was speaking, so I paused. Okay, uh, who else? Ingrid? This is Ingrid. Yes, thank you. Thank you for all the great points you're making. Uh, it reminded me of this quote, to keep my watch does not only mean to be awake and be working mentally, it means to do the work and succeed in breaking the mesmerism. And it's something that has blessed me so much I'm just sharing. I believe it's from... Mrs. No, I'm not sure about radicalism. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. very important. Unless you've broken the mesmerism, unless you've gotten your peace, if you're still in your head seeing the villains and victims, then you haven't broken the mesmerism. Right. You've got to get over where you're not seeing it. And yes, it does seem very tragic because people seem to be dying under some of these things. We can be grateful for all those that did not die. And then also, we know as scientists, there is no death. There is death. So even the ones that appear to have died are going to wake to know that there is no death. And we don't have, we have no idea how many of those that were not affected by the villain, villain victim 
syndrome. <laughs> so, but to keep it away from you and, and to keep it away from your home and then to keep it away from your neighborhood and to, then to keep it away from church, nation, world, you start with yourself and you work like this and you know this truth you declare for yourself is true for everyone, neither victim nor villain. And if there appears to be a villain, it's come into your life to, to, uh, what? Vanquish. Pardon Verify me? your thought. Vanquish it. Yes. And, and for you to go up higher. That is why, what is the beatitude? Blessed are those who. Persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs. The kingdom of heaven. You will be raised up. That's what the article Love Your Enemies is about. And if you didn't have it, I mean, she says that in this article, if everyone was just all loving and friendly, and as, as Lenny was talking about, you're not forced to elevate your thought and prove this, that there are no enemies, there are no villains. And then truly you have entered the kingdom of heaven. And if, if you feel you're there and you feel at peace with the world, then please stay there. Don't come out. Okay. <laughs> Don't start investigating and making a reality of something. To send your love and compassion, absolutely. And you should have it even more deeply. But remember where the dominion is. It's within you because it's God alone. Reminds me, too, of that article. There, I think it says there is no death. That the husband had told the wife that if they knew you as you truly were, they would love you. And I, I think of that a lot. Like if if everyone knew each other as they really were, that we would all love each other. So. Yes. Should be doing. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's our job as a Christian scientist to be the example to do that. And that is why we have to succeed in our prayers, in our watches. I mean, and, and you know, this this goes. Uh, this is something about our consciousness because we've all had bad things happen to us. I mean, some more than others, some a lot more than others. But we have to go back to each experience and not hold a grudge. I guess we have to forgive those who have wronged us. We have to love them more as, as Craig said, they need love more than a fist fight. <laughs> so Nancy, um, share what you wrote or sent me this week on the citation 12 in science and health. Okay, sure. Uh, well, I was, uh, citation 12, forgetting those things which are behind. Um, I loved what Mrs. Eddy uh, said on this. To be immortal, we must forsake the mortal sense of things, turn from the lie of false belief to the truth, and gather the facts of being from divine mind, and that's in Science and Health. And then in miscellaneous writings, she puts, um, says, Hast thou tarried in the habitation of the senses pleased and stupefied until awakened through the baptism of fire. Therefore, give up thy earth weights and observe the apostles' admonition, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those which are before. And it's clear that in order for me to make progress, I have to wake up and be wise and leave the false beliefs from my past, which are the earth weights, and reach toward that which is real and true, the things of God. And I also found a reference to Philippians uh, 3.13. To forget is to stop dwelling on something. Forgetting those things which are behind refer to the past relationships, memories, failures, temptations, anything that might distract from a single-minded focus on the upward call of Christ. And I just loved that. That's beautiful. Yes. And that's what um, Gary was talking about, the forgiveness, forgetting. You can't be going around with it. Again, 
then you you are malpracticing. You are. You and you have to accept that, okay, I'm I'm a malpractitioner. And then stop it. Okay. <laughs> and the quote, the the verse in Science and Health from the lesson, we must give up the spectral at all points. What is the spectral? Ghosts. Yes. Ghosts. We must not continue to admit the somethingness of superstition. All of this, what we're talking about here, all this unreality, it's superstition. But we must yield up all belief in it and be wise. When we learn that error is not real, we shall be ready for progress. Wow. Okay, so this is, uh, Mrs. Eddy says, what does she say? That we all have to learn that evil is not real. Every Everyone must learn that. She says, you won't be ready for progress till you can do this. And then forgetting those things which are behind. All that false training, education, all that we've been taught to believe is true. It ain't. <laughs> <laughs> And thank God Mrs. Eddy came and Christ Jesus to show us this way so we can have the dominion. Um, and also what seems to get people to remember evil is not person, place, nor thing. It is certainly not. It is certainly not race, color, religion, gender. It's none of those things. You think you don't like somebody for one of those reasons? Well, it's a baseless reason. Okay? Our enemy, if we want to say an enemy, it's in Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And then... Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, any race, any color, any gender, anybody can do those things, right? Right. <laughs> That's what the war is against. I mean, if you want to say that, it's not the people. It's never the people. And then you separate the error from the people if a certain person is doing it and know that it is not them. That is animal magnetism using them, but it is not them. They exist as a child of God. And then you have a right to rebuke the era, and you should rebuke an era if need be, but you always love the child of God. But stop identifying these negative things with whatever. With a person. With a person. It's, it, that's not where it is. I mean, we have all kinds of people in this world. Thank God we do. It's what makes it so interesting. And again, I, I love it in The Chosen, you know, in, in that those last season three, and he's confronted with all these people from Decapolis and all different kinds of people, all arguing, all hating each other. I mean, tip, great example of this. And again, what does Jesus tell his disciples to do? Sit down. Sit down. Listen. Yeah, just cool it, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. At one point, he said, "We don't need your thunder right now." <laughs> right, we don't yeah, need no your thunder. thunder. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, I just thinking of Jesus. I, I didn't bring you guys to fight with me, also. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. And as this was escalating, and the anger and all of that was escalating, he quenched it, didn't he? Sit down. And then everybody ended up sitting down because he healed somebody. So, and then this, you know, our watch last night, it's so important. Our salvation is through love. 
call God love always and bend all your efforts toward achieving perfect love in thought, word, and deed. Bend all your efforts, everything. This is the way. All is one through it. Its presence gives me all. Its absence takes all away from me. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love is heaven and hate is hell. Our only way to heaven is through love. And then this was in Collectania, but it wasn't in the watch. But she writes, our sure way to hell is through hate. If you think you're in some kind of a hell, maybe ask yourself, how much do you love? And not human love, but divine love, just love, loving everyone. What Love is the liberator. Love is a mighty force. Love, love alone is power. It's, it's love. Love alone is life. It's life. And that's maybe the most important one. If you're not living, if you're not loving, you've got you've to love. You know, they even say, even if all you do is love your cat, at least you love something. Love. And then this too, and this is a very important one, I feel, for Christian scientists. <laughs> the real Christian science compact is love for one another. This bond is wholly spiritual and inviolate. It should never be violated in thought or action, even for the sake of maintaining the purity of the letter of Christian science. Even for the sake of maintaining the purity of the letter of Christian science. Even for the sake of maintaining the purity of the letter of Christian science. For the spirit. The reflection of divine love is always more important than the letter. How many times have we seen this? Where these people, they get on this thing. Well, you're not, you know, whatever. You're maintaining the letter over love itself. The pharisaical thought. It surely is the pharisaical thought. Just like, oh my gosh, you heal this guy, but it's Sunday. You were not supposed to heal on <laughs> Sunday. Leave him in the gutter. Um, or uh, you 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 publish this. What authority do you have? Yes. Hmm? Where did you get Where did you get the authority to do that? Yes, that is what's coming now. Oh, you made an audio of Big Del Young? Well, well, who gave you permission to do that? I don't know. <laughs> God, God did I get it. <laughs> I mean, Florence and I are practitioners. Where do we get that authority? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're not listed. You're listed with God. Well, God. with God. God is the authority. So... But this is the straining at gnats and swallowing camels. And the violation of the manual's estoppel clauses. Yes. And you're justified by your words. Yes. Well, it's a lack of trust in God to be the head of the church. You know, it's, if you can't, if you have to authorize everything, authorize literature, and it just means that you don't, you don't trust that God is working in everyone's lives to lead them in the right direction. That is exactly right. Right. And that is called malpractice. And it, it is also what you see in the government when the when the government starts taking over the lives of everyone to tell you what to do. It might start out benignly. And that's what Mrs. Eddy says about the reign of Adam. It starts out, oh, no, benignly. Oh, they're just trying to help. But pretty soon you can't do anything unless you ask the government's permission or you have to write 25 are 30 pages of <laughs> red tape. Well, yeah. Well, and if you try to dominate someone, that's not right. That's, that's it. it. Well, when the founders gave us the Constitution, they were very clear. They said this system of government is for people with a biblical worldview. 
because they envisioned a very small government where the Ten Commandments and the biblical principles were ruling in everyone's heart. So therefore, you don't need lots of laws. So of course, when you take away God, you take away val- you attempt to take away God, you attempt to take away values, etc. Then you have to come back in with the strong arm of government, which um, seems to be, you know, what uh, what we're dealing with right now. Thank you. Absolutely. And and um, this is it. Why, why do we have all of this upset? I will say in America, you know, or, or, or because it's been it's not God. It's a lack of God in every instance. You go away from him. Well, on this, one of the calendar statements said about, you know, God always being present. It's man who goes away from him. Yes. That's man who you know, goes. Earlier, Go ahead. Earlier, we were talking about extinguishing the fiery darts, etc. And you look at what's happening, and America being the birthplace of Christian science, and of course, we read in Revelations about the the attempt to swallow the little child, the little book. You know, um, what makes us think that that has stopped? That's, well, it, it really, that's truly what we're working for. You know, when you look at a an instance that might be happening somewhere in the country or somewhere in the government, if you pull back far enough, what we are really still working against is that one single claim that there is no God, that error or evil is more powerful than God and good, and it's attempting to swallow everything. And that's what we... And that's the beauty of Christian science is we have this divine logic, this metaphysics that lets us reason uh, and see the impossibility of that. But that's, to me, that's clearly what all these little effects are pointing to is this one supposed cause, and that is to swallow Christianity and science, to silence it forever. But it can't do it. No, it can't do it, because what we started out with is the reality of God good and the unreality, all of this illusion. It's the Adam dream. And if you uh, stay out of it, and you can stay out of it, on one side, there will be signs and peace. On the other side, discord and dismay. Gary? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when 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 too many people... Uh, listen to the uh to the mesmerist and uh mm-hmm. forget god then they, you know they, they let all kinds of garbage into their lives and you know there are the, the devil would love to step into a vacuum yep devil loves the vacuum but when enough people have god in their hearts and stand for what is right the devil has no power, and it will flee from us. And that is why we're here. And it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take a big group of wise thinkers to hold crime in check. And, and always remember, yes, to impersonalize the error. Don't see it as person. Because even the Christians get caught up on this, and then they're warring with each other. It's not good. It's not person, place, or thing. It's it's error. It's it's the carnal mind that's in Galatians, and that's not the truth about man. It's not true, and we we prove that. So, um, yeah. That, but that's the prayer that has power. That's Christ Christianity, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I read a lot about the, the love, which is hugely important. And in Mrs. Eddy's beautiful article, The Way, because Mrs. Eddy and what I was reading about in our watch last night, she was saying love is the way. Love is the way. And in her article, The Way, the do, do any of you know the three Thing she mentioned as being the way, love being the last and the most important. Repentance, self-knowledge, self-knowledge, 
self-knowledge the first. The second. Knowledge of good. You all should know this. Hmm? Baptism. Mm -hmm. Baptism. No, you're, th you're getting it mixed up with. with Pond and purpose. Yeah. yeah, this is the way. Yeah, you're getting it mixed up with pond and purpose. This is the way. They're equally as important. Um, the second is humility. And the third, love. And, you know, what she says about self-knowledge, the physician must know himself and understand the mental state of his patients. Era found out is two-thirds destroyed and the last third pierces itself. For the remainder only stimulates and gives scope to higher demonstration. To strike out right and left against the mist never clears the vision, but to lift your head above it is a sovereign panacea. Now, th those are quotes I use a lot, and here it is in the way. Mental darkness is a senseless error, neither intelligence nor power, and its victim is responsible for its supposition, suppositious presence okay so people mourning over their depression mm -mm. you're responsible for it cast the beam out of thine own eye learn what in thine own mentality is unlike the anointed and cast it out and then wilt discern then thou wilt discern the error in thy patient's mind that makes his body sick and remove it and rests like the dove from the deluge. It goes on. It is a beautiful article. And what she says about humility and then about love being the greatest of all states and stages. Now, in science, we learn, too, this isn't this mushy love that just accepts error and says, everything's fine. God is good. And just whoopity-doo. And let error run rampant. We talk about it a lot. It's got to be uncovered and destroyed. And I got a wonderful email this week from, did you want to say something? Nancy in Texas. When Paul Smiley was working on The Father, The Prodigal, and The Citizen, I guess that was an article, or, he asked me to read the Peels books. I underlined every negative comment and read every footnote. I typed them up for him to read, and we were appalled at the vitriol. The process of producing the analysis took four months, and I was sick the entire time, but kept on. Sound familiar? I have kept my copies of Peel's trilogy with all the underlying for reference only. When I can, I like to visit used bookstores and purchase them if they're in stock and see that they are promptly destroyed. My burn barrel is quite happy to oblige. <laughs> Now this I love. Dr. John Burst, the carpenter's assistant, who collected and preserved their writings, once told me the following when referring to the two totally opposite biographies of Mrs. Eddy. <laughs> oh, goodness. Paul's book is appealing, but Peel's book is appalling. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's so great. Okay. He was a brilliant man with a healthy dose of humor. Thank God for him, or we wouldn't have any Carpenter originals. So, Paul's book is appealing, but Peel's book is appalling. <laughs> anyway, now this is not ignoring the era. This is bringing it out undercover, calling, calling Peel out, which needed to be done, needs to be done, so people don't just blindly read this and get a wrong impression of Mrs. Eddy. So there's, yes, love, and, and it's not that we hate Peel, but, no, no, I, no, but, but I, I hate what he did, and that's okay, because what he did was It was well, unprincipled. Wicked. It was unprincipled. Love is not love unless it is principled. Mrs. Evans used to love to remind us, love and principle go together. Because Love without principle is mush. Principle without love is like an iceberg. If they're not together, then neither one is there. 
has to be that combination. So in doing these things in your own experience, you will bring out the unreality of error. You will prove it. It won't be a question anymore. You will know it to be true. And we each, every day, have opportunities to do this. And it's wonderful. And I know you all are doing it. That's why you have testimonies to give on Wednesday night. Because when you do it, you heal the sick, you cast out demons, and you raise the dead from their sleep. And that's all it is, sleep, mesmerism. Um, from Anne in England, I got this. Whilst reading the lesson this week, the part about Elisha and the widow, this really, this bit really struck me. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. It's just so lovely that Elisha didn't ask how much her debt to the creditor was, or whether she thought she now had enough oil to pay all that was due. Instead, he knew that God's supply is always sufficient to meet the need and more. And I have to say that that story in the lesson is, is, you know, one of my very favorites about supply. Because that question, what have you in your house? Is that what it is? Something like that. Uh-huh. What do you have? What do you have? Because we're always thinking about what we don't have, Right. We don't have this. We don't have that. I don't have health. I don't have money. I don't have employment. I don't have this. I don't have that. And you're so submerged in all that you don't have. Well, what the heck do you have? You have to have something. God's given us all talents, even if it's just that talent to, to be kind, to love. They're spiritual talents. But you use them. And we have two articles. One... Um, that I love, What Hast Thou in the House, and it's by, um, hmm, not that one, there's two of them. Anyway, it, it, we have that on the, on the website, the first one. It's a wonderful article you all should be familiar with, especially if you're struggling with supply. Um, and then this week, we have another by Constance Skinner that we will end on, but just so important that you focus on what you do have. And in focusing on what she had, it multiplied. Again, in the chosen, in the Bible, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Mm-hmm. What did Jesus want? What did he ask for? What do you have? What did they have? What do you have? And with that little bit, it was enough for 5,000. So instead of asking your, or thinking about all you don't have, your lack, think about what do you have and take what you have and make more with it. There is a story, you know, it's a parable, right, about the talents, that too, about the guy with the one talent who hid it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that didn't work too well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, the spiritual definition of course for oil was inspiration so that that really hit me when he asked her what did she have I think she I think she said she has faith well well he knew he knew he knew that God was the source of supply he was inspired mm-hmm. she was humble and obedient and that, that definition of oil, consecration, charity, gentleness, prayer, heavenly inspiration, those are qualities all of us can, all of us do have. God's given us all his, we're his image and likeness. So take what you have and quit, as my dad would say, belly aching about what you don't have <laughs> because you only built that up in your and your thought. So take what you have and you'll have ample always. We have a, as I read, was it last year, Mrs. Eddie saying, um, my father is rich, right? Yes. And he is. he is. 
There's no reason for anyone to be lacking. And the, the nerve of us, right, if, if we won't withhold good from our children, why do we think God would withhold anything from us? Thank you. Yes. Why in the world would we think that? Again, it is, it's a, it is learning to trust and love him more. And um, we do that day by day as we prove him more and more in our life. And it's very important. So we get to know, really, the unreality of anything that's not of him. And we can prove it. And we even have Luann here today to prove it for us. <laughs> she came with a cabinet for our kitchen, for our kitchen. area. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, all right. Well, we're going to end now with what hast thou in the house? Something that Carrie found for us. Another article about it. This is by Constance Skinner. When the woman said that the pot of oil was all she had in her house, Elisha did not say, your oil is worthless, I will find a post at court, or go and ask such and such a man for what you need and he will give it you. He did not even say, go and plead with the creditor to wait for his money. He fixed her attention on the thing she had in her house, the thing that represented to her material sense, her whole substance and supply. He told her to borrow vessels, to borrow and scant not. He knew that all substance is mind and that God's supply is unlimited, that the divine source is inexhaustible. The woman trusted and obeyed, and the demonstration was complete. There are several points in this narrative worthy of our deepest thought. The first is the fact that our supply can come to us in the way we can best understand at present. That is to say, through the work we are doing today, through the thing we have in the house. If our pictures do not sell, we do not have to abandon painting in order to live. Whatever we do best is our work to do here to do. It is the means by which we live to mortal sense. There can be no failure for that work when we realize that God is our life, our substance, our source of supply, and our sole employer. There is no middleman between divinity and us. There is no obstruction in love. God's blessing rests on every right effort, and there is no other power to defeat what God has blessed. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And the same Spirit blesses and hallows all gifts alike. If we would do our daily work in the world with the 23rd Psalm even ever in our hearts, there would no longer be thoughts of failure, no mortal fears to mock us. There are two assurances in that Psalm which should accompany every line or stroke of our work. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I will fear no evil. We must go in and shut the door, get away from material sense, and be alone with God, and work out the problem in obedience and trust. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. 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 Thank you.